You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Happy New Year to everyone. It is 2021, and today on Pytar for Breakfast, I'm going to talk to one of the main acquisitions or promotions of this 2020 offseason. And that's Sam Fold. That's right, your new general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Sam Fold joining me right here on Pine Tar for breakfast. In the air to left field. Going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Franzen sends everybody home. Ball there. Coming down. down. What up? And welcome to 2021. That is right. It is finally here. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. I get that, but it is finally a new year. And to start off the new year on Pie Tar for Breakfast, Kevin Franzen at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And I think we should start this year off right, right here on Pie Tar for Breakfast. And so. With that being said, I, I think I should bring on someone of significance. That's right, someone. It is my pleasure to bring on GM himself, Stanford University's very own. Well, actually, I mean, we could go even New Hampshire's very own, Sam Fold. Sam, how are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. I'm doing great. Oh, Thanks sorry, sorry. Uh, are you doing okay, boss? I, I, I apologize <laughs> for, for saying it like that. Yeah, well, I would have when we battled it out in college, and and you were, you know, you you tended to get the upper hand, you know, as a as a member of the San Jose State Spartans. I would have really appreciated you call me boss back then. I don't really yeah. care right no. now, but no, your freshman year, your, your freshman ago. year, I would have called you boss. Yeah, after <laughs> that, we 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 had some some good times, but no, I mean, like for for those that don't know, I went to San Jose State. Sam went to Stanford. We went into school together at the same time. He was a lot more, you know, highly regarded and recruited than I was. Uh, but we had to battle it out. And being a baseball fan, uh, being a Stanford guy growing up, it was awesome to see. I'm pumped that you are where you are right now because you've earned this. And, uh, you know, it's it's exciting. And I want to get your take on it. Like, just I, I know you're excited about the job, but I mean, just the overall how it came about to where you are now you got to be like damn that moved fast <laughs> yeah i think i think that's pretty accurate description there i, I don't i'd like to think that I, I i take pride in just sort of keeping my head down and not thinking too far ahead to the future and um i i've learned a ton since retiring you know about three three and a half years ago and i there's no doubt i, I don't think i would have you know, in, in any uh, shape or form thought that I'd be doing what I'm doing now today, three, three years ago, like yeah. that, that definitely does feel quick, but it, I've, I've been lucky to be, you know, I think I've gotten a great opportunity since taking the job of the Phillies and, and the opportunities to be exposed to a lot of different parts of the organization. I think of, you know, I think at least put me in the conversation for this opportunity. And, and I think, I feel really appreciative of that. Just be, being able to, you know, be in a bit of a hybrid role previously, where I'm, you know, part coach, part front office, 
and when I'm involved on the front office side, it's it's learning a little bit about amateur scouting and learning a little bit about pro scouting and player acquisition and uh, you know my more recent role being exposed to the medical side. Like I just feel like I've I've learned so much in so many different facets of the organization in the last three years and. I'm just really, I'm fortunate that that's been the case. Which of those parts, and you bring up the amateur scouting, the scouting side, the just the front office side, the medical side, which has uh, blown you away more? Is it Could it be the medical side based on not previously knowing as much and, and taking those deep dives into it, or or is it the scouting stuff? Yeah. Well, it's all interesting to me, and I think they all play, obviously they play incredibly valuable roles within the organization. I, I think just from within the last year being exposed and working sort of in the weeds with our medical group, I've learned a ton about that process. And I think as a player, you understand how important that that part of the organization is and just keeping guys healthy, but beyond keeping guys healthy, really impacting performance. And and I think you understand and appreciate how hard that group works, but on the other side, like being being with them on a daily basis or near daily basis, you really get a whole new appreciation for just how much they work and how much they care. All the conversations that go on surrounding players, like you just don't appreciate that as a, as a player. You kind of know in the back of your head it exists, but I've lived that the last year and have a ton of respect for just the daily consistency that these guys bring and um the ability to again just not just like be a triage unit and just get guys back on the field but between (laughs) our strength and conditioning group and nutrition group and and atc group they just they're like really motivated to get guys better too which is really cool well it's crazy because i mean i think more than any other year there is an appreciation from player towards training staff like no other and you know because of obviously the COVID and and all the protocols, but what they were put through as well. And I I just feel like, and I hope at least that there's more sense of gratitude and understanding that 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 job was absolutely insane for Paul Bucktight and Sean Fikasny and all, all that were involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is not what anybody signed up for. And, and I think we all kind of like wore different hats this year, different hats that, uh, you know, maybe like outlined in a job description, but those guys more than anybody were tasked with like incredible amount of responsibility that they just took the, took like, took the bulls by the horn and, and between, like you said, Paul, Sean, you know, Joe Rouch, Aaron Hoback, Paul Fournier, Donglin, like the whole, that whole group, Alexa Scully, they just like, they were, uh, they were determined to get through the season. And I think players at first were kind of like, well, why, why are these guys, the policemen? and police women like what that, that that didn't feel right but i think they appreciated pretty soon how much how important like yeah. sticking to covid protocol was and that we weren't going to get through say the marlins outbreak without pretty strict protocol and i think they can all look back i, I think most of our players look back and appreciate that that we didn't get through the season by accident it was because so many people cared to to police and uh to like outline protocol and, and just get us through the year that way. How much do you think like going through that this year? Um, obviously we never want to have to go through that again, but prepped you not f- only for being, you know, named general manager, 
but going forward, the experiences, especially here, right? Not not having to go to another organization and learn everybody after this. It's like there was a, a, a I think every organization could say how close knit they became because of this, because of, you know, the interactions, whether it was on Zoom or, you know, from a from a distance. Like, it, does that help being, you know, still a part of the Phillies in this new role? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, relationships matter and they take time. And I feel like I have a a huge leg up in that way compared to somebody coming in externally. I I think that especially in the last, you know, 10 or 11 months, the, I should say, yeah, 10, nine, 10 months, you know, the, the, the amount of time we spent together and the sort of the adversity that we've collectively faced, I think that's brought us even, even closer together. And the nature of my job is, is communicating amongst departments and also recognizing that I'm not really an expert in any of those departments. And and that's sort of like in a, in a lot of ways, the role of a general manager is to appreciate expertise in each department, utilize it, recognize it, uh, and, and just tie those departments together. I would say never, never more than now, does collaboration between departments matter in this in this industry? Um, and so I think this previous job, you know, even though I only had it for a year, yeah. it, it, it set me up pretty well um, for a position like this. No, and then Dave Dombrowski gets hired and, and the unknown of if he's going to hire a GM, if he's not. Like, how did that come about? Because you've talked about it uh, on, on the Zoom call, you know, with the entire uh, – the introduction – uh, but not everyone got to hear that. So if, if like, in short, how did it come about with Dave Dombrowski? Sure. Yeah, no, we, it's uh, it is short because it's only been a couple of weeks. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, I talked with Dave just, just a few days after he was uh, hired and we, we talked, he just wanted to get a sense of who I was and as a person and what I've done for the Phillies the last three years. And uh, we had a great talk, you know, uh, we talked, I'd say well over an hour and it was, um, you know, I, it was a lot of listening for him and a lot of me just giving him a little bit of a backdrop of what, where I'm at and where, what my role has been. Uh, and then not, not, I'd say three or four days later, did he call um, with a request to, to interview me for the GM role? So um, <laughs> did, he, did he reintroduce himself? Did he go like, Hey, uh, Sam, uh, Dave Dombrowski, Philadelphia Phillies. Just want to ask you a question here. It's like, did, was it that formal? <clears throat> um, well, I, I was smart enough to put his name in my in my phone nice. log, so I knew who he was calling the second time around. It's um, weird that you put it in as Big Big Dave, Big Dave, uh, Big Dave calling. Not yet, not yet, no, no. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, it was. Look, he he was he was direct about it, and I I think that's one of the things that that we we are growing to really love about Dave is he's direct to the point, doesn't beat around the bush. Um, so, you know, he gave a little bit of a, of a backdrop to the, to the, uh, sort of his mindset at the time and, yeah. um, and then just sort of, uh, teed it up for, for an ask for me to interview. And that was, uh, <clears throat> on my end, a little surprising, but, but, uh, but something that I, I think I'd be foolish to decline. So I, I jumped on it right away. I mean, it's funny because now you go back on it and you're going, thank God I was honest during all those like pre, like pre-interviews that weren't even interviews. It was just like, mm-hmm. I was up front and I was doing that. I mean, it, it goes to show what being genuine means. And I feel like that was a huge part of it. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he he appreciates. I think Dave appreciates honest feedback, and and uh, and I I tried to do that. I mean, I try to do that all times, but I think like that initial conversation. I think he was looking for, given that he's trying to learn as much as he can about the organization in a short amount of time. Like he doesn't. I think he's looking for people to beat around the bush. I think he wanted honesty, and and uh, I tried to be as direct as possible. And you know, that, look, I had so many good things to say about the organization that it wasn't that part was easy like yeah. it was just a I, I could have talked to him for another couple hours about how, how all the things that we do well organizationally so in that way it was really it was really easy and i think he appreciated um the, the conversation that way and so i think the the general consensus behind what we were kind of told and what we could read with with dave is that like he's gonna make a lot of the decisions right and and, and that's a part of it, but you are a, a a big chunk of the decision making. You're going to be a huge part in learning the process as well. Uh, is that accurate to say? As far as the breakdown, I'm not saying like, oh, the, he's going to do everything, but and you're not doing. Th- there's a learning process you still have to have. Uh, within the first week, you guys, you know, make a great deal in getting Jose Alvarado. We can get into, but I mean. I mean, you went you you didn't go into this thing going nice and easy. You went three team trade. Like that's your bad. You know what I mean? Like that's how GMs roll. <laughs> I, I'd like to take credit for all that. Okay, you I, did. I, Sam Fold made everything on that one. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, I, he's it goes without saying that Dave's one of the best in, in this generation of what he does and. He's got two rings to prove it, and I've got so much to learn from him, as do others. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, we would be living in some kind of bizarro world if if I stepped into this role and and called the majority of the shots over something like Dave Nebraski. So um, that's that's a, uh, a pretty pretty logical fit there. And and I'm also just going to learn learn from everybody else that we have in this yeah. organization too. From you know. Terry Ryan stepping into this special assistant role, I think is awesome. I just talked to Terry yesterday, like he's, and he's willing and eager to help uh, me along this process, which is just fantastic. And um, I mean, Pat Gillick to Larry Boa to, you know, Ned and Ned Rice and Brian yep. Manitti. And I, I'm just thankful that I'm surrounded by a lot of good, good knowledge, good people, good experience. Well, yeah, I mean, you're also smart enough I mean, as far as I feel like that's the athlete in you to be able to adjust and be coachable, as we were joking around earlier, like the coachability that you have, like this is a situation that you get put in where it's all the pressure is not on you, which is great, but you're also open minded to so much, right? Like you got, like you said, Terry Ryan, Ned Rice, Brian Manitti, Dave Dombrowski, and then you have Larry Boa. There's so many guys that you could talk about. Pat Gillick. I mean, they're. I guess when it comes to the baseball side, you some there's times where you let some things in, take you know what you want and leave it right as an you know the coaching side. But how about this yeah. side? Something on the management yeah. side that you don't know as much about doesn't mean you don't know it. But yeah. like, what are the things that you want to take in? Like, what are initial things you want to take in? Yeah, I mean, look, this whole I think immediately uh, I'm being exposed to some of the the player acquisition, the transactional side that was that cool? is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's like, 
it's foreign. You know, I, I yeah. needed a visa for this thing. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, and it was exciting to be a part of it. However, however little or much I was a part of it or will be a part of it. It's, it's, um, it is definitely new territory for me. And I, I, and I'm, you know, it happens to be this time of the, the season and we happen to have some moves that we feel like we need to make. Um, it's all lining up to a pretty good, like initial, uh, you know, learning experience. This is like transactions, maybe not one on one, but it's probably two on one, three on one, and, and up into five on one here once you start pulling off three way trades. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just like, because I wonder because uh, obviously player side, you you're a part of acquisitions. You you're going in trades. You're you know, and all that stuff to see it actually transpire and to see like how wow, this, this happened quick. And it's mostly through text or email, not a lot of phone calls, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it, was that surprising yeah. to you? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it happens quick. It really does. Like, and some, I think it, what I've learned just talking to others, you know, within the Phillies over the last few years and just talking to others in the industry, like there's oftentimes that a team will, will target a player for two, three, four years before finally <laughs> landing them. So, um, you know, I think like the Dodgers probably had eyes on Garrett Clevenger for a while. And yeah. this was an opportunity for for them to get them, uh, to get him. So sometimes I think it's like sort of on the certain players are on a back burner for clubs. And when there's an opportunity that presents itself, it does happen quickly. You know, this and it's the, the ability to, like you said, information travels really quick. <laughs> and it could be just like a couple texts. You know, you're a couple texts away from losing a player uh or gaining a player um depending on on the outcome so in that way it's it's pretty exhilarating to know that like you could wake up one day with no potential trade partner but uh by the end of the day you might have a trade executed that's kind of cool well i mean you look at uh like john lynch right i mean obviously because i'm a 49er fan uh, goes from the booth and to the gm role because he, he missed the scoreboard he, he missed having that ability to, to leave a game and, you know, be either excited, elated that their team won or, you know, pissed. And so now you're in that role. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is like, this is for real. Like these yeah. acquisitions, you just, you know, did Jose Alvarado, did that put you guys into a, a better place? Yes. Did it set the tone for uh, your bullpen the rest of the way? I mean, you still got ways to go. I mean, but – when you look at a guy like Jose Alvarado in that trade, like what do you see? Like, how do you see him fitting in, in into your bullpen? Now it's yours. Uh, that, yeah, well, <laughs> I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. It's ours. Um, it's yours too, Kev. All right. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. I wear, I wear yeah. the losses as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Uh, we all do. Yeah. Uh, no, he's like, the upside's real. Oh. We all saw it. You know, I mean, 2018 was a pretty special year. Um, and if you're glued into like Twitter and the pitching ninja on Twitter, you rec it doesn't take long for you to see how filthy his stuff is, not just velo, but movement like his sinker, you know, is is just goofy. It, it runs across the, the span of, of home plate, like in a couple inches. It's it's really special. I said it's a right handed um, cutter. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they actually it really acts like. like it. Yeah, it, it really does. So if you if you throw that up there at 98, 99, you, you got a pretty good starting point. <laughs> and uh, he's got some, you know, he's got a breaking ball that I think is interesting. And if we can refine that a little bit more, it could be a real weapon. And 
you know, he cuts the ball, provides a little, you know, gets off the barrel a little bit with a cutter. It's just a special arm and a, and a special sort of uh, canvas to work with. And he's already proven that he can do it at a really high level. A little adversity the last couple of years, um, but we feel like we got a pretty good weapon on, on board with us and, and um, we're excited to see it. Well, I, I think it works in tandem with Connor Brogdon, right? I mean, we saw the the second part of Connor Brogdon, and if he could take that into the 2021 season, I mean, that, that that's incredible because the right side power arm, uh, the accumulation of power arms is something that I feel like maybe we've lacked a little bit based on opportunity, maybe based on development. I don't know. Uh, but it, it seemed like in the right step in the direct, right step in the right direction as far as, That's right. uh, you know, adding Connor Brogdon to the roster this past year, seeing that 96, that 97 nasty change of good cutter. And then Jose Alvarado to go along with Hector Neris. I mean, there, there's plenty of, of upside in, in certain things, but like one piece, you know, is added. Where do you go next? Yeah, I mean, we're keeping options open. I, I, it's hard to say what what specifically we're going to target. We just don't know. I think mm-hmm. it's 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 smart to be nimble, and we don't want to get tunnel vision on a, a certain type of player or even a certain type of reliever. It's not like um, just because we have one lefty who throws 99 that we would turn down another if some, <laughs> something fell in our lap. We'll take as many as you yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think the bullpen will continue to be something we look at. Um, and and we'll, we'll just sort of like survey the landscape and get a, get a sense of what's available, not just out of the, out of the uh, bullpen market, but in other positions too. When, when, I I don't know, last couple of days I've done a, a bunch of MLB network radio stuff and, uh, you know, the question asked was like, what do you see with Jose Alvarado? Like as a hitter and all this stuff, I'm going, Ooh, like the moment you like, he's not Johnny Venters. Cause everything worked down. Like Zach Britton worked down at that, that this one works across. I'm like, I have no idea how you attack it. Like you, you hope the first pitch is right down the middle and you, you do something with it. Cause I mean, that that's how I look at Jose Alvarado. I loved hitting lefties. Well, you as a left-handed hitter, do you look at his stuff and go, and how do I, yeah. Yeah, how do I, how, do I how, how would I approach him? Like that's certain yeah. stuff I'm going, dang, I, I, I can't see a lefty wanting to face him. No, no, that's not a comfy at bat. It's probably not super comfy from the right side, but left, left on left. That's like, <laughs> that's one where you're looking over your shoulder, wondering if, if the manager's going to pitch hit for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So you yeah you hope you have a nice little right-handed platoon partner uh, waiting waiting to pick you up in moments like that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those. It's I think as a hitter, you probably have the same fear. You always like fear swinging and missing and having a ball hit you. Yeah, and with his kind I of sinker, that. you were involved in the game. I, I I have I have a vague recollection of that. Who, Mark Jackman. Who in, oh yeah. Dude, throwing a yeah. billion at Sunken Diamond, I like check swing, <laughs> and had because I was like I lost against him, and you know he finally found the plate, and then he didn't. He found my chest, strike three <laughs> off my chest. I was like, I went back going, man, this sucks. It hurt. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that's funny. <laughs> no, it's true. It's it's absolutely like, look, I, there's I'm, times I'm where you've going, recovered. I think at least semi recovered. Yeah. So semi recovered. I I, I yeah. still remember the moment because you don't forget those. 
Yeah. No. And so that's like a fear, right? And I think if you step into the box against Alvarado, you might swing at a, a sinker that starts, you know, like middle in and it's going to hit you in the ankle at some point. So um, that's what I would think if I were going up against him. Does you ever face Brandon Webb? Uh, yeah, I think so. Back, maybe at least back in spring training, you know, back in the day in Arizona. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I still to this day had never seen anything like it. I mean, I remember yeah. it was my second game in the big leagues. Uh, he threw uh, one of his sinkers, you know, his nasty Bugs Bunny change-ups to, to sinkers away, and I gave up on it because it was a ball. It hit me in the right quad. <laughs> like, it, 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 I'm not even joking. I remember just, like, kind of standing up a little bit as the ball came out of his hands. I was like, oh, it's ball of the hand. I'm like, this is stupid. How are you supposed to hit this? Yeah, yeah. There's some righties like that. I remember Kirk Sarlos to go on the yeah. way back machine. Then even more recently, you know, Kluber, where you just have to, as right on left, you have to hang in and, and expect that ball that starts at your hip to come back, and you have to, like, make an effort to swing at it, you know? Yep. Um, and I would imagine that's kind of the, the, the approach you'd take with, with Alvarado if he's if you're a right-handed hitter. Hey, how much do you take into account that, you know, just recently retiring, I mean, over three, just three years ago, uh, so we were a part of like that transition and then you were not even the transition you were in that analytic era right i feel like analytics were involved in so much but towards the end of your career it was all of it right i mean it was pretty much you you were deep dive how much did that help out in that move to management side not just the gm role that you're in now but the the management side yeah it was helpful i, I mean i think it was a combination of being exposed to it towards the end of my career and then just having a kind of an interest in it throughout my life, really. Like I was the, the, the kid who was always, yeah. yeah I mean, you said nerd. it. Sorry, there you sorry, go. Get your, licks in. Get your <laughs> licks in. Hey, you're a GM. I'm a broadcaster. That's way cooler. <laughs> oh, man. I would agree with that. It's probably less stressful. Um, it's, uh, it definitely helped. I mean, I, and I played, you know, played in Tampa, played in Oakland, two organizations that I think are, were, were ahead of the curve and it's used of analytics. Um, so we we got exposed to it, I would say, you know, in Oakland, it was, you know, that was the last place I played. And, and we certainly got exposed to it from an advanced uh, scouting standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, not not as much on the sort of um, technology side or the player development side. You know, I think that's really grown in the last, say, four or five years in the, in the industry, just using technology and using data to not just like prepare against the opponent, but to, to know yourself better and to one work, use technology and instant feedback and, and video technology to hone your craft and two get a better sense of like, look yourself in the mirror and understand who you are as a player a little bit better. I think that's where, where this industry has really grown in the last four or five years. And I've, I've learned, I've had to learn the technology side really from, yeah. from, from scratch in the last four, four years, which has been awesome. Like it's, it's a, it's a full-time job, just sort of vetting all the baseball technology that's out there. And that was in large part, that was a good chunk of what I've done in the last couple of years. And, and I'm lucky that I've been able to learn it because there's just so many good tools out there that are like every 16 year old player is being exposed <laughs> to. And so you better as an organization be ready to, to bring the same kind of resources to a, a kid that comes on board to your organization. Yeah. Is there, 
is there one technology though that like you go, man, I wish I had this when I was, you know, at, at Stanford or, or even in early years of pro ball. Is there one thing that you yeah. look at? You're like, damn, I wish I had that. <laughs> uh, I, I think what comes to mind is like the hit tracks. So that the ball flight technology that just, um, that we use on the hitting side to measure just how, how fast the ball comes off the bat and what angle. And then there's a, like a video game aspect to it too, you know, so you can, you get a, display of the diamond and, and any of the 30 major league ballparks yeah. and you get to see where the ball would have landed theoretically so it's it's fun but it also i think is really valuable in the moment because you get to see you know where uh, just just how how high a fly ball you hit or just how weakly you top the dang thing over that, that would have been me um, but i think it gives you you know and if i had to look back at my career would have tried to find ways to just impact the ball a little bit harder. And that's tough when you're five foot nine and not particularly athletic, but I think hit tracks could have given me a little bit more instant feedback to maybe make some tinkers in, in, in my swing and see how that relates to my bat speed and, and my exit velocity and um, get a better understanding of like what parts of the field I tend to, to impact the ball harder. And uh, there's just like an endless, um opportunity to use that data to make yourself better as a hitter not both in the moment and then kind of looking at you know a, a bigger body of data yeah. after your session you know well it's crazy because i i think you know we're in that era like we i could talk to you about it i mean like we, we were brought up as hitters before pro ball as swinging you know the the ultimate swing down at it you know i know how dean stotts was get your foot down and like the whole time you could, I could hear him coaching third base at, 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 at sunken diamond or at, uh, Muni again with you guys in the batter's box, get your foot down hey, early. Uh, you know. <laughs> and in the, the, the process that you guys had at Stanford and it's like, how much would that have changed? Right. As far as if you had that technology and, and understanding of like where you guys were, would have been, uh, you know, I mean, you guys are already ahead of everyone. And as far as driving the ball on the West coast, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, my, my style of play was one that probably wouldn't have benefited from say like trying to hit the ball in the air a whole heck of a lot more, but you know, there were times, you know, not to bring out old names, but you know, Carlos Quentin and Ryan Garco and guys like that who had legitimate major league power, um, you know, oftentimes we're, we're taught to like, just put the ball in play, keep it on the ground, that sort of thing. And, uh, I think that with technology, we maybe would have you know, technology and data. I think it would have been. I think it's probably changed the way we, as an industry, think about um, you know the best ways to impact the baseball, especially when you've got power like those. Guys. Oh, dude, tell me about it. Like I remember, uh, what was it? Our junior? When when did Mayberry get there? Our junior year? Or was yeah. that our sophomore? Yeah, uh, junior year. And yeah, and his, having to play in on him and and you know and my time at third base and Garco and Quentin and you're going like this is not fun, guys. Like this isn't fun. This is like me playing in on Giancarlo with the wood bat. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. We had some power. We had some pop. Yeah, just a uh, little yeah. bit. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. My mom's favorite player, Chris O'Reardon, he had pop that year is your your yeah. our freshman year. Yeah. So uh when uh, you know, you're, you're getting into the involved in this. And obviously, uh, there's a thought that I've had is, man, you're going to be, you're, you're not going to be in uniform for the first time in a long time. Have you, have, I mean, and, and it's a great thing, obviously, because of where you're going to be at, but I mean, yeah. have you given any thought to that? 
<laughs> I have, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit because I, I will say that the, the handful of moments that I've been on a baseball field not in uniform, it's felt weird. Yeah. Like this year when the team traveled, I stayed back and I would go go check out the alt site. And I just wasn't it, like wasn't didn't things were already tight in the locker room there and like I didn't feel the need to go put on shorts or pants and so I just went khakis and uh or jeans and a polo and I felt like fish out of water. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I just felt like so uncomfortable and I just wanted to put a glove on and shag five balls with the guys. Like it still have that instinct, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think that's going to that's going to compel me to put a uniform on at any point this in time, but it is going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Well, so I have, I, have I, I, I would think it would be weird. And and you know, we saw you during the the, you know, the scrimmages during spring training in center field with all the guys. I mean, it, you could still run it yeah. down. Yeah. I I'm like I I get I get a kick out of being active. So I'm <laughs> it's going to take everything in me to just keep the leather off me. I, I don't want to pick up a baseball at that ever again, but it's going to take a lot to just keep, keep a Rawlings off my hand and not, and not try to shag every now and then. Shout out Rawlings right there. Nice, nicely done. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the other part is, have you, have you decided what your uni is going to be? Like, are you going to, are you going khaki polo shirt guy? Are you going straight Stanford on us? Boat shoes? <laughs> that is a misperception. Stanford's more like uh, board shorts. Board and shorts, like flip-flops. Yeah. yeah. Tie-dye. Yeah. You got to throw in the tie-dye to some of those kids yeah. that are on campus. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't given it that much thought, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just, I'm worried about like how many, I wear so many layers right now in the house that uh, that's all I'm thinking about these days is like, how am I going to get through the next month and a half here? And and this is my third winter in Philly. So I'm, and I'm, and I grew up in New Hampshire, so I'm not complaining, but I think we just have a really drafty house and all I'm doing is like, <laughs> putting layers on layers on layers in this house. So that's, that's where my mind is at. With well, that The one thing I, I, I was going to bring up to you in a non-joking manner is uh, knowing people that are around you and where you guys live uh, and just how much you've embraced Philadelphia. Uh, tell, tell me about that or us about that, because I feel like that's a huge, huge part of it. You're not moving into Philadelphia and trying to learn everything like you're you're here your family is yeah. here uh yeah. you're ingrained in 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 the philadelphia you know the outer parts and i and i feel like that's a that, that's a huge positive for you already yeah. absolutely oh yeah i mean when when i took this job took a job with the phillies three years ago i, I was you know as foolish as it may sound like i want i want to just raise my kids and be rooted here in philly for forever it's like awesome. I, this was you know i got and that's that's because we knew we liked the city like my my brother-in-law uh lived here with his you know his wife and four kids for or 10 years already and they they were like nick saban style recruiting <laughs> us for 10 years i mean it was it was impressive and did, um, did they have the button so, on his desk and it, it like like Nick Saban in his office? Open the door, close the door. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so like you know, we felt really good about moving to Philly, and it's tough to find stability in baseball. But as foolish as it as it sounds, like I I just wanted I really wanted to just be in Philly for for as long as possible, raise our kids here, and as we've gotten to know our 
our particular neighborhood and as we've gotten ingrained in our kids schools they're they're, they're all in one school you know which is less than a mile down the road from us and we love it uh, we love the friends that we have in our neighborhood and we love we love the city so that's like you know, as much a, a part of my excitement, I'd say, is, as anything, just knowing that we are uh, going to continue to be here for the foreseeable future and knowing how happy my wife is about yeah. that, that, that makes me happy. And just, I love stability for, for I love the stability for our kids' sake. They've already got great friends and, and routines here, and that's pretty cool to think about them continuing that. I mean, we share, obviously, the the a lot of things uh, as far as moving around as players, right. And uh, having this opportunity, not only for the first three years to be in the same spot, but, you know, moving forward and signing a multi-year deal to be the GM of, of the Philadelphia Phillies, like that, that I'm not ever going to say, because I know you uh, you're not going to take it for granted, but at some point you just like take a deep breath and be like, wow, like this is something I dreamed of as a player to have the opportunity to do. That's exactly right. No, it's a great call. And and I was never good enough to, to get anything more than a one year, one year deal or an arbitration deal like that. That was um, and I moved around a lot, maybe not as much as some, but I, I think I did the math uh, on it one time. And my so my oldest son, Charlie, is 11 now. But by the time he was five, I think he had lived in. 24 different places <laughs> wow. that's no exaggeration 24 different places um wow. so and, and like in a lot of ways it's made him really adaptable yeah. and you know he just shows up to a playground and like it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's some kid he's never met like they're they're best friends by the end of the, the hangout so but that being I was said, gonna, I was going to say he sees yeah. the, he sees all the structures he's like all right got this I like analyzed it I'm good I've seen them all yeah I've seen yeah. them all I know how to deal with yeah. it exactly yeah <laughs> um, he's lived yeah you know, he lived all over the country you know from the Bay Area to Arizona to Des Moines to Chicago to Florida to New York to New Hampshire like all all four corners covered um, so that's cool but you know. I think as they get older, the, my, the way I see it is if we can get them a little bit more stability, that's really cool too. So and in some ways I've gotten the best of both worlds out. The, and, and the kids at school, obviously, you know, now their dad's the GM of the Phillies. Like, you ready for that? Because, I mean, before you are a part of the Phillies, like you're like to them, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Now you're a GM. It's like now you're going to get parents telling you, like, why'd you do this? Why'd you guys do that? Like, are you ready for that? <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be ready for that. Uh, if there's any more incentive to just put a winning product on the field, I guess that's it to save, save the scrutiny from my, my children. Um, yeah, there, I don't know. That's certainly what you sign up for. And that's cool about the city is that you just got a lot of invested people, Yeah. whether they're, you know, third grade classmates or the parents of third grade classmates or the grandparents of third grade classmates that, you know, that's certainly something we're, uh, I guess getting ready for. And <laughs> they're, they're, uh, They've, they've already heard it to some extent. Like my old Charlie's probably heard Oakland A's fans boo me and has remembered that to some extent. So it'll just be a different different form of booing and, and sort of backseat coaching. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And, I, and look, it's, it's awesome that, you know, your kids get this opportunity. But I just think it I, – I speak from experience of moving around and my wife moving around, my daughter not having to move around at all, you know, before uh, anything. It just – 
it's awesome for you guys to have this opportunity. Like it is, it's cool because you get to breathe and you get to, to learn a new job and, a, and a, obviously a very high profile job, but it's one that you've prepared for. It's like, it'd be way over your skis if you hadn't prepared for this, but you've prepared for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can ever be prepared fully for a job like this. And, and certainly like they're the majority of current general managers uh, or even assistant general managers in this game have spent more time on the front office side than I have. I, I recognize that. Yeah. I think that my playing career, you know, having played professionally for you know 13 years, that gave me some level of experience that I think actually, you know, helps me in this current role, just like the, the empathy of uh, having the empathy to, to deal with baseball players and recognize that they're human beings and that that side of the game matters so much. I, I feel like my playing experience did, did sort of allow, allow me to have that perspective right now, which I think is pretty, you know, it's helpful not to say that you don't have that perspective if you didn't play, but yeah, um, I've lived it, felt it. Um, I've felt, I've felt what it is like to be in a really good organization with a great structure from, from, you know, the, president on down and i've been in organizations that maybe weren't as great and i and i try to pick up on the pros and cons of each organization that i that i played in so i've worked i worked hard as a player i think maybe too hard yeah <laughs> probably oh. took too many swings in the cage before or after a game um but i think what's cool about being on this side of it is effort like it, effort is a great thing. It can't work to your detriment, really, on this side. The harder you work, the more you want it. I think the more you 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 tend to have success. You know, it's not necessarily the case as a player. You, you might you deal with injury risk if you're out there like running too many sprints or what you know, like or if you literally are in the box and you want to get a hit too much, you grip the bat a little too yeah. tight and you and you don't. The guys, you know, the the game's best hitters are ones who kind of come like have a good balance of not really caring, but caring just enough. <laughs> I, and see, like I, I've never had, I wish I had that. That's like one of the things I always would say was I wish I had the ability to just like not give an F like I just, mm. you know, but I cared. I yeah. felt like I had to get three hits in a game to play the next day. So it's like, uh, you, you, <laughs> you don't forget those days and you don't take those days for granted. But at the same time, you're like, man, I wish I had that ability just to forget and just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but then oh. we would never have been in our spot. Like we would never have that chance. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So what's cool about being on in the front office is that usually, uh, like passion and drive, it, it works in your favor. So yeah. I, I hope that I have enough. I, I think that I've I, I've got a lot of it. And um, yeah. Well, I, you're I'm, young enough, which is great. Like you're not even forty. Uh, like you're you're like yeah. people doing things at, at before forty. You know you're gonna get into like Time Magazine or uh, the business <laughs> side of it, the Business Insider. Well, they better hurry because there's only one more year. Okay, so on Pine Talk for breakfast, uh, we play a game, and hopefully, you know, I, I know you're my boss. You know, in in the situation you're the, you, I, I got to be really careful with this. So, uh, w are you willing to play it? I'm willing to play it. All right, it's as called long as Waffle I have full or edit, editing rights here. Yeah, it's called Waffle or not. Uh, so I'm going to give you a picture, and you're going to tell me if you either waffled them or not. And and our waffle, and and look, you and I have a different waffle compared to people, right? Like Ryan Howard has like 30 homers off of Dylan G. 
Like that that's wafflage, right? Like that, that's something different. Ours is just like raking against someone. Whether it's hits, uh, doubles, triples, maybe a homer here. Uh, so, uh, you, you in? I'm in. This All might right. be a quick, right. quick game, but yeah. No, 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 no. We, we we don't have quick games. We have long ones on this one. It's uh, it's it's not that bad. But uh, Felix Hernandez. <laughs> no, not a wobble. Not a he waffle. No, he owned me. Yeah, three for twenty-two. You got a double off him, but six strikeouts. Uh, I think this one's awesome because it just is very uh recent um and you darvish mm, not not a waffle no, i remember swinging at a nope, three for 10. Oh, okay well three for i 10. remember one strikeout where i swung at a pitch like well over my head so maybe it's just i, I lost a lot <laughs> that's of like my mark jackman right like i, I yeah. can rake him but i have the one at bat he hit me in the chest and i suck <laughs> right no you yeah. darvish three for ten so i don't really go okay. off homers on this so it, it's all good doug good. fist thank god oh Shoot. I, uh, well, I don't know if this includes minor league data, but I think I got, a, I, I'm not going to throw the word waffle out there, but I was competitive, I think. Yeah. Real competitive four for nine with a uh, 1056 yeah. OPS against him. Yeah. That's, okay. that's wafflage. Uh, yeah. Ooh, I like this one. Um, Danny Salazar. Mm. Man, Danny Salazar. I, I can't be good. I'm going to say no waffle. Yeah. Over five, three punches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, like the guy was nasty. Yes. He is nasty. Yeah, he started against us in the wild card game in 2013, and uh, we were lucky to get like a couple off him. But we were we were just luckily Alex Cobb pitched a little bit better that night. Oh, Alex Cobb! All right, Zach McAllister. Well, I think I, I did well against him. I remember, yeah, yeah. O- o- opening day triple, and uh, yeah, he was. Uh, one of the few. Oh, only one triple? No, no, no. You had two triples. Two okay. triples. Let's wow. figure. Let, let, let's get this one. All right. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you are. You were uh, six for eleven against him. Double two triples. A fifteen eighty three OPS against. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Like you're. Nasty. I'm impressed you're able to find all these guys that actually had middling success. Dude, you have them. no idea. I just. <laughs> Whip it up right here. I mean, I'm just a Google machine. Uh, an interesting one, because uh, I would love for you guys to acquire him, but uh, Taiwan Walker? Yeah, I remember having a couple good games against him in, in Oakland. So I, I don't I, – I think I think it's a it's a decent history against yeah, him. Yeah, Taiwan you was yours. 1056 OPS. Yeah. Four for eight against yeah. him. Not okay. bad. Uh, I got two more. Uh, okay. And Ricky Romero. <laughs> not good. Yeah, not good. it can't be. <laughs> I think I had an zero for four with four punches, and I uh, in one game, and I think he had three of them. All right, so you you uh, yeah, yeah yeah he had three yeah yeah you're zero for three with three punches yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's all right look it happens it happens I mean, it's just to the best of us uh, <laughs> but I brought he him was up the Alvarado te- he had Alvarado yes. te- run on his sinker well that's kind of why I wanted to bring him up because it. I'm not saying he had the the upper 90s stuff, but like the the yeah. sink the two seam run that he had yeah. was gross like him. Yeah, it was. Um, it really was. All right, so there's two former players that were hired as GMs this uh this this offseason, uh yourself and uh Chris Young. And uh so I'm going to yeah. bring up Chris Young. Yeah. Th- this one was well. Who's better, yes, the I- Ivy League or Stanford? That's all I want to know. I mean, that, that, that's that's what happens right here. Depends on the job. I, well, I guess we'll see. We'll be competing, I guess, next year as GMs. But 
Um, I, for whatever reason, I, maybe it's me being a midget and him being a, a six foot ten giant, but I, I matched up well with him. I had, I had, think I went deep against him twice. You did, and uh, not only that, you went five for ten, a double, two homers, two RBI, so two solo shots. Uh, you did strike out, so you suck for that. But uh, a seventeen hundred OPS against Chris Young, our GM is way better than yours, Rangers. Right? So you got that, Sam. Thank you, and thanks for playing. Uh, what was that? The uh, waffle or not? Yeah, it was amazing. That's a good one. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I, I, uh, there aren't too many guys that fall in that camp, but I appreciate you digging on the and, and research. Oh, those guys. amazing! You made my day. Well, thanks for everything, and uh, I appreciate you coming on Pintar for breakfast. Until next time, until I see you, enjoy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me, Kevin. <laughs> Oh, and a fun conversation with Sam Fold, the new GM of your Philadelphia Phillies, the second Stanford GM of your Philadelphia Phillies after Ruben Amaro Jr. Uh, this is this is special. And for me, I look at uh, Sam and, and am beyond fired up uh, because I know how much he cares about not only uh, the game of baseball, but uh, the Philadelphia Phillies and being ingrained already in the in the you know community. Uh, with his family, I think, makes it so much better and easier for him moving forward. Uh, again, thanks for listening to Pine Tower for Breakfast at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Whenever you get a chance, hit me up with any questions. Until then, I hope you guys have a happy new year. Peace! Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.